Morning again. How many of you felt a little bit stretched watching people or hearing people laugh? And yeah, yeah, ten twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we can feel a bit stretched depending on our personality type and our gifting. When people start laughing and going crazy in terms of worship, for some of us who maybe more deem ourselves conservative, we think you know, not quite my style. But what, is, what if God doesn't want it to be your star? What if he wants you to stretch you? I mean, where's Vince? I've been picking on you this morning. Vincent and Bobby, we were in the same church um, 30 years ago. My wife helped plant that church in 1979. I got saved into 1980. And Vincent was an elder there. I was a deacon. I was one of his disciples. But I must have been a good disciple. He's got no gray hair. Um, look at that. Look at his brown hair. Um, but we, during the 90s, we had something called the Toronto Blessing, like one of the terms they use for it, um, where we'd have outbreaks of people laughing and falling all over the place. It was crazy times. I don't know if you remember those days, Vince. They were wild. I mean, at first, the fitless guy was Rodney Howard Brown. He came to one of our meetings, and he just stood there, didn't say a word. And the next thing, people were just laughing and carrying on. He didn't say a word the whole time. And, it, and then went to like, I can't, for me, it felt like, there were quite a few years of meetings like that, meeting after meeting, and I got really, I mean, this is mild compared to what we saw back in the day. And then God seemed to have done a work there. Some people left the church. Some people couldn't understand where this fits into Scripture. But I'd ask you to be mature and, uh, and, and cope and absorb a lot of what God is doing. If it's God, don't worry. If it's not of God, don't worry. You'll sort it out. Okay. And if it's of God, the lives will be changed and will be transformed. And we, we did see some good fruit out of those times. Not always. Sometimes it was the flesh. We know that. Um, but God did still do a work even in those times. So let's respond well when God does, does these things. And, um, and let's learn how to go into times of worship like that. Sometimes we've got to train ourselves, stretch ourselves to actually go into worship the way God wants us to do that. And then there's other aspects of worship. You know, Jesus said, you know, we would worship in spirit and in truth. Truth is truth. The word of God is truth. Led by the spirit, the Holy Spirit would lead us. And that's a worship when we submit to the spirit, follow the word of God, and live in it. Recently, I was contacted this week by a friend who I haven't spoken to for over 40 years. He's from my, my motor racing days. We, did, we raced together in motor racing. And uh, he's a bit older than me. I was still young in those days. And, uh, and he, he's in another province. And he said, I noticed you're a man of the cloth. He said, he messaged me. I haven't heard that terminology for a long time. Man of the cloth means someone in ministry for the old terminology. And, um, and, he, said, and he started asking questions. He said, I see you put posts on, on Facebook about how God really works and how he affects your life. And you believe in him and, and you're trusting him and... I, he said, I grasp, I'm, I'm backing to understand this. What do, you, what do you mean by all this? Help me to understand. He has a man in his 70s now reaching out and saying, Lord, well, I don't know. at the end he said, my mother always said I was a child of the devil. Um, so I think we all were children of the devil before we came to know the Lord Jesus. That's the reality. And so God is working in people all around. Um, and this morning we want to speak on fellowship, the devotion to fellowship. We spoke last week, I believe, and around all the Joshian congregations as we leading into a time of our conference in, in uh, October of uh, a devotion to the word, devotion to the apostolic teaching. And, and today we're going to speak about devotion to fellowship. And I was trying, you know, how would you describe church? Because this is a part of church, by the way. This is not the meeting of the week. 
It's a good meeting. It's wonderful when the saints all come together. It's, it's a time of, of fellowshipping and, and worshipping God together in song and hearing the word. The word should be here to move us and to change us. I'm really trusting that the word of God, the truth of God will come and shift you this morning. If not, I haven't done a good job. And I haven't represented God well. And I trust that I will. You know, Peter says we speak the very words of Christ. And whenever I have a coffee with someone or, or do this, to me it's the same thing. It's bringing truth across to bring people into more, to be more Christ-like. And that's, we try, we're trying to do that amongst ourselves. So, so I would summarize church as doing life together. And that's our, in Acts 2.42, we've, a lot of churches would claim Acts 2.42, that 2.47 is how they build church, they devote themselves to apostolic teaching, to uh, uh, a fellowship, a prayer, breaking of bread, and it sounds like a real outbreak and a work of the Holy Spirit in that time, there's a scripture going up there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, nobody can force you to do that. That's got to come from you. You're, you're the boss of you. You've got control of your will, of your heart. And you can choose whether you're going to be devoted or not and whether you're going to walk in what God's called you to walk in or not. Um, you've got one life to live. You've got one opportunity at this. And then it's all over. And you go into eternity. Let me just get my health problems out quickly just so we can move on from that. But... Um, I've got a timer here, but I've got an internal timer right now. I'm in, I'm in pain, so at some stage I won't be able to carry on, so I'm probably going to end. And um, about a year, where are we now? Middle of the, this year. And so beginning of last year, I got COVID to the extent where I was in ICU here in Rondebosch Mini Clinic. And the opening words to the nurse when I was admitted, Jenny wheeled me in an office chair down the passage, got me into the car. They just managed to get me into the hospital by a favor from my daughter-in-law's mother got me into this hospital because all the hospitals were full um, and people were fighting to get into the hospital at that time. We couldn't get ambulances. It was a crisis time in South Africa during COVID. And the opening words from the nurse when I arrived in the COVID ward, we'll finally get in there. She says, welcome to the COVID ward. You're either going home to be with Jesus or you might go home to your family. So I thought you must have skipped uh, encouragement classes at nursing school. Um, <laughs> But thankfully, I'm strong in the Lord, and I thought, that's great. So I'm going home to be with Jesus. This is wonderful. But I did want to say goodbye to my family. I had my phone, but I didn't have the strength to do that. So I had to trust them to God. But I did come through, I think, to prayers from guys like Joshua, Joshua who was praying for me, uh, my, my adopted sons. They don't know it, but I have adopted them. There's not much in the will for you guys, but anyhow. Um, I've known them since they were born. Watched them play rugby yesterday. They both won their games. And um, I taught them everything I know, you know. Uh, and, but so I got through that, came out a bit buckled and bent, I've got to be honest, from the whole COVID experience. It was my mother, my son, my daughter-in-law's mother, she did the x-ray, she was a radiographer there. She said they did think you weren't going to make it. Um, but anyhow, I made it. I think God... Thank you, thanks for the medical guys. I really give the appreciation to them. But I really thank the Lord. I wasn't desperate to stay alive, by the way. I was like Paul said, I'd rather go home and be with the Lord. Than, but for your sake, I'd, I'll stay. So it's for you guys that I'm here, you know. Um, I've got dry humor, by the way. So <laughs> stick with me. And, uh, and then, yeah, then this year I got diagnosed with cancer. Um, I've just had an operation. This was my first meeting in two months that I've come to a church meeting. And... Um, but again, you know, these temporary bodies, they, they're wasting away, the Bible says, but inwardly we're growing spiritually. So 
If the Lord wants me to stay alive, I stay alive. And I keep going because we're here to build God's church, to honor him with, with us, with our lives. And to not, you know, we're not here to play church. We're not here to play games. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And, and the kingdom of God is within us. That's what Jesus said. He'd come and live in our hearts in, and that we'd live for him. So when my friend, when he sent me a message on Facebook about asking about, I sent, about my life and that I've sent him a voice message. I said, I gave my heart to Jesus at the age of 21. And he got all of me. For 42 years now, I've lived for Jesus. Never backslidden, um, never walked away from the Lord. And I just want to just follow him and, and worship him with my life. The best compliment I ever got was um, one of my sons said to Jenny, Dad's the same on Sunday as he is at home. Because I want to be the same person at home. You know, because it's great to stand here. You guys haven't seen me. I haven't been here for quite a few years in this congregation. And often you can tell all your best stories here and look good. Um, but, who, but you are who you are when you close the door at home. And that's who you really are, how you're walking with the Lord, how your life is shining for him at that point, and where your faith lies. And we can't do this on our own. We're called to do it in fellowship together. We call a body. Jesus is the head. You are here. You were, you were bought at a great... You are so expensive. You were bought to the blood of Jesus. His life. He came to lay down his life for you, and you weren't worth it when you didn't deserve it. You deserved hell. Separate, we were separate from Christ. And Jesus came to die that you might have life. And then he wants us to live. And not just dwell in sin and working on, on sins, and, but he wants us to live for him. He wants us to shine for him. And we need each other in that process of doing life together in this journey of fellowship and, and shining for him. We saw in Acts 2.42 the, how the early church lived. And as a church, we so desire that. We're not there fully yet. We know that. We know we've got a sort of way to go to really live like that. And maybe our Western culture works against us sometimes because it's very selfish. It's very much my career, my, you know, what I'm doing. And, um, and it's all about us often, the focus. And maybe God wants to flip that around and say, you know what, it's not about our individual careers. I came to Cape Town. We're from Durban originally, and I came to Cape Town in 97 by career path. Um, I was working for a company called Total, and uh, the petroleum, French petroleum guys, and they sent, we sent us to Cape Town for a year and a half. I've still got the letter. I supposed to go to Europe for two years and back to Durban and oversee the factories in South Africa. And I thought my career was so important. I thought my E-Class Mercedes was quite a, you know, made me look good. But those things are so, they just, they're so temporary. And they just don't cut it in the kingdom of God. They don't impress God. God wants us to walk together in Cononia, to fellowship. Um, let me use a little example. Finance. You know, they always say you, two things in the church you must be very careful of speaking about. People's children and, and their finance. They get offended easily. We shouldn't be those who get offended. You should be unoffendable. That you should be able to take it. Be mature. So many Christians are such babies, man. We had a one of my elders staged our, I used to be Durbanville until July last year for about 10 years. One of our elders staged dived, and God grabs his family. And he's, this guy planted a church and led churches, but, and he was trying to, we we're trying to process him into us. Grabs his whole family and storms out. You know, where in the Bible do you see people stage dive? I said, but what's probably what you did was far worse than him stage diving. What, do you, what message have you sent your children and the people around you that, that attitude of being offended you know, so easily? But back to the example of finance, I always, you know, I always said to guys, um, 
we don't teach finance to get money out of you. Woe to us if we ever do that. We teach you on finance, on stewardship. We try and do it every week so that you will be faithful. When you stand before God, you'll be faithful with what God's entrusted to you. When you stand before God, you can say, Lord, I've, I've looked after what you entrusted to me. Here it is back. You, I mean, it's your gifting, it's your life, it's who you are. But one of the big things I spoke about a lot is finance. And in Durbanville, we trained our guys to get out of debt. I'd get chartered accountants to stand up and do the finance teaching, how to get out of debt, how to live. Because so, we sometimes say, guys, we need money to go to the nations. We, we need finance to bring these guys into ministry because we're short-staffed right now. We've got five lead elders who are working in a normal marketplace job and they're still leading congregations in the life of Josh Jen. So we, the kingdom of God does need finance. But you can't put a call out, okay, we need finance because we need a guy to come and help out in full-time ministry. And everyone looks the other way. No, I'm in debt. I'm in debt. Don't look to me. Go and find someone else. So we trained our guys to live within the means, to live within a budget, to be expose your finances to each other. You know, what's, what's your finance got to do with me? Everything. Because when you're in trouble, we'll look after you. We've got pantry fund money. Those who've, who have got, the, and the Bible says, those who are able to give must give. Paul, when he spoke to the Corinthian church, says, guys, I want equality amongst the churches. Bring your finance so I can give some to the poorer churches in, Macedo in Macedonia. You, in terms of tithing, here's a good thing. We don't want to know how much you tithe. It's between you and God. If you want to be unfaithful with what God's entrusted you, that's, that's up to you, or faithful. But rather tithe knowing if, if it's going to come out of, let it be your first thing that you do, the first fruit. Say, Lord, here it is. And if it means that you haven't got money for food or rent, come and talk to us. And it's not open season, we're going to pay everyone's rent, okay? Let's just make that clear. Um, because we will look and examine, examine your finances and work it through thoroughly. And we do this all the time. We've been doing it for years and years. So let it be your first thing you do. Because guys will say, I can't tithe because then I'll have no money for food. Let's, but come to us. Let that let God be your priority in terms of your heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my, I'm trusting in you. And if you, God's provision has got to come through the rest of the body, then let it be so. But pride often gets in the way. I don't want to be dependent on anybody. But then you go and borrow from the bank. Just one little tweak to that finance teaching. It was such a great testimony. Brilliant story. Really encouraged by it. But we don't encourage guys to tithe from their credit cards. Okay. That's just a little one there. Um, <laughs> We want to get you out of that. And we want to walk with you. We've got guys who can help. You know, we have business problems sometimes. And we've had, we've done lots of them over the years. We sit down and we'll, guys, we're fighting amongst each other for over millions sometimes. And we'll chair the meeting because 1 Corinthians 6 is, you know, let, let, let the church come and look after. Don't take it to the worldly court. So we've, for three months sometimes, we'll sit there night after night. I'll bring in chartered accountants, lawyers to help us understand the, the realities of what we're talking about. And then we'll make a call and decision on the matter. Because we had to do life together. Romans 12, 5 says that we, are, we, we, are, we belong to one another. Do you see each, each other like that in terms of that? So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So in a sense, what God's entrusted to you with finance belongs to God, by the way. He's just entrusted it to you. A lot of guys think, hey, all this money, some people are gifted in making money. I've, I've met people, you know, I think it's Deuteronomy 8, it says God gives the ability to become wealthy. So some people have just got that gift on their life. Romans 12, also in terms of the gifting, speaks about those. Those who are able to contribute to the needs of others must contribute. And so, and we see in, in the 
book of Acts that they, the guys sold fields and laid at the apostles' feet, said, we entrust you guys to distribute this money as you see fit. And that's why even they appointed the first deacons. I said, find seven, was it seven people, who are wise and full of the Holy Spirit among you. And we're going to trust these matters to them so that they can look after the people. So we call to, to be a people who are doing life together. We belong to one another. 1 John 4, 19 and 20 um, says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, he hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Because so many people want to, you know, this one is saying, no, I love God, I trust God. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love always trusts. And trust is such a broken down factor in relationships these days. People have an out, you know, they'll, they'll have a very shallow relationship. They don't trust leadership. And leaders say, come, let's go in a battle. No, I don't know if I trust you. And, uh, but we're told to trust. That's why we appoint, when we appoint elders, elders should be trustworthy. People who've walked the talk and have lived the life and those who you can look at their lives and say, because Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We're not Jesus. I make something, something ask my wife and she'll give you a whole list of things that I do wrong. She doesn't keep a record of wrongs, eh? but uh, she, she deletes all those things. But, uh, but she'll know that I'm weak, I make mistakes, uh, I blow it often, I don't get it right. But she knows my heart. She's been, we've been married 40 years this year in April this year, and by now we, we've, we've made, I've made mistakes in business, um, I had my own business and we've, we've made mistakes, but we've, we've worked our way through all these things over the years, and with leaders, when God appoints leaders, it's take us into more, and trust is something that you can do and choose to do from your heart, because otherwise we just say, no, I love you, Lord, you know, I only trust God, I don't trust no man, and we see people making those statements, and that's an unbiblical statement to make. You've got to choose to trust people because God trusts us. I'm not standing here of my own accord. I mean, Vincent knows all my mistakes too. He knows, I gave him a hard time. I've got some gray hair in your beard. That's from me, okay. Um, I gave him some hard time. I wasn't always an easy guy to lead. But I was, he was a trustworthy guy. He was someone I looked to. I saw his life. I saw how he raised his children. And he was someone I could follow. And we, so when we say we're bringing guys into leadership, they're guys who, who tested. And we, some of the guys are still work in progress. We know that. Some of our elders make mistakes. We know that. I mean, two years ago, we had to step four lead elders down, three for pornography and one for doing other stuff. They've all been restored back into ministry because God is into restoration. He's into bringing into health. So the outworking... You know, if you ever want to know if someone's a true follower of Christ, look how they live their lives. It's easy to have Bible knowledge and understanding. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I remember one lady saying to, saying to me, we need more Bible study. Really, how long have you been saved? 45 years. How many people have you led to the Lord in the last five years? Or even just shared your testimony within five years? Uh, nobody. I said, you don't need more knowledge, man. You need to get out there and share what God's done in your life. You know, I'd sometimes go and my boys, they'd gone to motorsport and I, I do slot car racing. In fact, I'm doing one next week, I think. And um, I, I use those opportunities to get into the world because being in full-time ministry for the last 20-something years, you don't hang out much with unsafe people. There's only so many waiters and, you know, car park guards you can share. The, um, but 
I want to get into people's lives who are out there. There's so many lost people who need to hear about Jesus. And we've got to get in there. We can't live in a little bubble. We, what we, this should be an equipping time for us. This is for Monday. This is for Tuesday today. It, you know, church is Monday to Sunday. It's, it's doing life. It's getting out there into the marketplace and bringing and telling people the good news about Jesus. We've got good news to share, not bad news. Gospel means good news. Another little tweak I'll bring. I don't think it's always great having saved people in your business. I remember the Australian business guy read his story once. He said he gets people, hires them, leads them to the Lord, and then he fires them. He said, take what you've got and go and take it into the world now. When people say, you know, the company I work for, everybody's saved. Well, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Go, then resign maybe. I'm exaggerating now. Okay, to make a point. Don't, don't go and resign tomorrow, please. Um, but sometimes we need to think outside the box and think, Lord, why am I on this earth? It's not just to live in a Christian, work in a Christian company and just go to church and home group and hang out with just those who I know. We call to love strangers. It says even the Pharisees love those who love them. It's easy to love people who love you. But that's what today we're talking about even hospitality. I believe the, the conference has been pushed quite strongly with you guys in terms of let's get to that conference. It's an apostolic equipping time for ministry, for works of the service. But we need people to host guys. And I trust that if, even if you're going to go and camp there, that you'll make your house available then for someone to come and stay in your house. Let strangers come and stay there. Let strangers come and stay in your home. We've, we've had all sorts of, we've, we've moved out of our bedroom sometimes and people, other people stayed in our, our bedroom so they can have the, the, the more comfortable room. Um, let's be those who break the mindset of just putting the walls around our lives and walls around our, 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 our families and let's open up our hearts. It's a mind shift and if you, it's a shift in your hearts, shift in your mind that we say, Lord, Whatever you think you've given me belongs to you, so let me use it to glorify you. I really trust that everyone in this congregation will make an effort to try and host someone and put your name down for that, that someone can be part of, part of what, you, what you've got. Um, we're called to treat strangers like brothers um, in Romans 12 13 I'm jumping a little bit ahead in terms of scripture it says Ex extend hospitality to a stranger share with God's people who are on need practice hospitality let's practice it let's do it let's open up our what, what God has given us in terms of our homes and say Lord let me bless somebody um, you know normally uh, for me I'll, I'll, this year I want to get people I don't know to come stay in my home and because normally often in ministry you want to get someone you can spend time with you don't really see them that often guys in ministry fellow you know pastors and I'm going to try and get someone who, who I don't really know to come and stay in our house um, just so we can get to and connect and be with them and we've had those interesting people stay with us and you know different cultures sometimes and We've had guys fall asleep at our, while they're having supper with us sometimes. I thought, we must, thought, we must be so boring. The guys literally fell asleep while they're eating. Um, and so you get some really interesting characters and you get stretched sometimes in your culture. Um, but let's be those who open up. Uh, and, and 1 Peter 4 verse 9 says, To do it without grumbling. Um, offer hospitality to one, one another without grumbling. 
Because we can so easily grumble, you know, about someone's table manners or what they do. Or, but just be bigger than that. Absorb what the, the, there are differences amongst, them, amongst us and differences amongst the folk. Because um, sometimes even uh, in Hebrews 13 too, it says we actually entertain angels. Uh, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Maybe the guys who fell asleep were angels. Hmm? They were praying at one, what, two in the morning or something, yeah. <laughs> How's this, eh? We went, we went to Swakopmont once, and going there to sort of, this is years ago, and this one church we were working with, and we are you there to come and really share with them and help them uh, to grow. And they just happened to say one day, you know what? As a church, we go and we get the keys for the church down the road. Not, they're not part of us. We get their keys. So for the last two years, and we've done it for quite a few churches, he said, for the last two years, our ordinary people get up at five in the morning, we go to that church, we pray for them. We come home, we make breakfast, get our kids ready for school, get taken to school, and we go to work. I've been doing it for two years, five days a week. I thought, yeah, I feel like an amateur compared to you guys, you know? I feel like I'm just learning. Such dedication to strangers, to those who are co-laboring. It was amazing. So why do we want to be hospitable? Why do we want to have this fellowship? Because it represents Jesus. You know, as I said in 1 John, as I said in 1 John 4, um, an expression this way horizontally will be an identification of, of your vertical relationship with God. Because you get a lot of talkers. You don't get a lot of doers in the kingdom of God. And we, we, we want to be people on mass uh, who do what the word says, as opposed to just talk and lecture. You can, get, you, know, you can get guys who come up and stand here and give amazing teachings on anything and, and wow you and revelations and astound you, but they don't live it. We look, we're a, I remember it was the beginning of law, this year, I think it was. We went to, we often go away as like the core leadership team of Josh Jen. Um, those guys who God's raised up and identified, and that's biblical. Uh, Paul went to Jerusalem and identified three of the apostles out of the 12 who stood out, and he went to those three. And so sometimes God has raised up amongst us a team of guys, and we go away at the beginning of every year with Andrew. I remember just, I think it was the beginning of this year, looking, I think Ryan came down from jo- Joburg to come and join us, and um, I looked at, and I'm, I said to the whole room, Look at us. We are so ordinary. There's like not one like superstar here. Like no one stands out like any major personality, like wow, you know. We're just so ordinary. But yet God's raised us and called us to, to lead his people. But, uh, but we knew each other's lives and we, we're doing life together. There's a, a realness and a, and a genuineness about <coughs> doing life together. So if we want to know what you, you, know, what you like as a Christian, We'll see it in your generosity. Um, well, we might, may not see it, but Jesus will see it. But there should be an impact and an expression of, uh, of and a generosity of your life more than your finance. A generosity of giving your time and going out of your way to, to love God's people and to love strangers, not just those who love you back. That's a true expression of who you really are in the Lord Jesus. It impacts the nations by doing this. We used to go into Namibia a lot as Josh Jen. We used to work into there for the previous apostolic flow that we were part of. And you know what blew them away? It was not our preaching, not our ministry, not our amazing gifts and prophetic words. 
It was the people who came with us every time. They just said, your people stand out. They come and live in our homes. They, are they all full-time? We said, no, that looks a civil engineer, this person's a teacher, they, that person's a plumber. They're taking their own money, their own time, they're driving all the way up here to come and just be with you to get to know you, who you are. When, we, when I was up there, there was the TBN guy, and TBN in Namibia is not very big, as you can imagine. I've only got two and a half million people. But the one, the guy who's heading it up, he came to me and said, I want to get you on TBN. I said, I haven't come up here for that. I've come here to spend time with these guys. And even if I don't even preach, I just want to be with them, come up behind them, support them. The one pastor got sick, and I remember going up there just to be with him while he was sick. Because we had to do life together and to stand with each other in, in difficult times and in the good times. And it impacted that nation. It opened, the, opened their hearts to us. Because they, they said, we can see your hearts. You guys are you're the real deal. You walk the talk. We did a leadership training in Kirtmansup, which is a thousand kilometers from Cape Town. And I had a whole team of Durbanville guys who paid their own way to come up here for that leadership time just to look after the children. And some of them were managers and, you know, and, they were, and they just looked after the children for that week. They didn't hear one meet, they didn't experience one meeting. They drove a thousand Ks for their own money, their own time to come and bless that church and to, and to impact that nation. Recently, um, City Bowl had a leaders, no, it was a leaders camp. And just before that, we had an apostolic training time here in, in Cape Town. That was about four or five months ago. And this one guy from America, a lead elder, he was blown away by the camp, by the leaders, and the way they interacted, and, and just laughed and joked, and God moments of on your knees, God cutting tears. He said, I heard Andrew speak about it. I've seen it now in action. I've seen it in reality by the way that people live. And that's what we want to display in all this. What we're talking about of fellowship is that people should come into our times together and see the love they have one for another. That's the only thing that will stand out and will identify us as followers and believers of Jesus is the love that we have one for another. And not just emotional. Emotions are great, but emotions should always follow truth. And so love in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. And so when I say I love you, it's not just because I emotionally feel I love you. That's great, but it should go run deeper than that. It should be, hey, you need meals? We're there for you guys. Durbanville, I can't speak for the, I don't know about this congregation, how they do, but Durbanville is so jacked up in terms of looking after people, like a widow, or the deacons will go around and help her fix her house, and, uh, and uh, it's just a caring and a looking after of one another, and people, so people experience it. Uh, moving house, the guys are there. Inconvenience, of course it's inconvenient, but they're there we, to look and love one another. Okay. I remember in the early years of Josh, Jen, Milani, and Julie, you might have probably know them. Milani's quite well known now. Um, but they were quite poor. And they didn't, it didn't stop them having people around for meals. That was soup and bread. That's all we can give you, soup and bread. That's all you, but the most important thing is you. So don't worry about you know, if someone invites you over and they give you the best steak and everything, and you think, well, I can't do the same back, so I'm not going to invite them. I know I've spoken to rich people in some of the congregations, and they, they said no one ever invites them around because they're intimidated. They think, I can't meet you. you know, they think they have an expectation. But just invite Rich people need help sometimes. They need loving and caring for their money, which their money can't buy. 
Let's land with that. So offer your homes during this time. If you've got two cars, try and drive one. Offer a car to guys. I mean, some of the guys coming from Port Elizabeth uh, and these places, Quebec now, um, it's expensive, eh? Um, Mona van der Welt from Muscle Bay phoned me the other day. She said, I've just registered it. And he said, I've worked out the petrol costs. You know, it's 400 kilometers and it's 800 k's. And, the, you know, that's, that's like quite a few thousand rand just on fuel alone to get down here. So a lot of the guys coming from outside are spending a lot of money. But we, it's the first time in three years. Let's throw our all at this time together. It's going to be a time of in God that brings such momentum in the life of churches. One believer at a time, one person at a time, shifted and changed for the Lord Jesus. Let's allow God to shift us and change us today. If you've been, if you consider yourself an introvert, change today. We had a lady in Durbanville um, in a leaders meeting. I mean, we, I think we got about as many people, people you got here, we got leaders in Durbanville. And I asked this one lady, she was like, in a, like a chart, no, she was a, more than an accountant, actuary. She was in charge of our pantry fund. And in honorary. Um, I said, Anri, won't you give us, you know, we're going through all the different ministries and worship and how you go, how, how things going on that front. And so I said, how's the pantry doing? She just froze. She just went red. I mean, like red, eh? And after I'd quickly shift, move along, uh, next point. And uh, after I went to and apologized, I said, so sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you like that. She says, no, you do that again. I've got to break a fear of man. If God wants to use me, I can't afford to do that. So if you're an introvert, you don't want people in your house because you're an introvert. You like to hide away and read books. Oh, Jenny and I are introverts. Posing as extroverts. But I realized my personality was getting in the way of what God wants to do. So I had to shift my personality. I mean, Vince, I'm picking on Vince here today quite a lot. But he'll tell you, I mean, I wasn't a very vocal person before. I think I was two words most of the time. It was a lot. Now Jenny can't keep me quiet. Um, but if, if God wants to use you, then offer up your whole life. You know, when um, leader of the Salvation Army, General William Booth, old man in his 80s, and a, a journalist was interviewing him, and he said, William Booth, how come your life counted so much for God? He said, God got all of William Booth. Because God got all of you this morning. and Because the expression will be in, in what we're talking about, of hospitality, of doing fellowship, of doing life together. If your culture is getting in the way of that, break it this morning. If your personality is getting in the way, break it in the name of Jesus. You haven't got time to mess around and just suck air and chew food. You, we've got to get into the saddle of the horse that God is saying, come, let's go. There's work to be done, folks. There's lives to be reached. Weinberg, you, you're in Weinberg for a reason. You're not in Durbanville. You're not in Sunningdale. You're in Weinberg, greater area. For a reason, because Weinberg needs to hear the gospel. The stats from somebody, we've done the stats through South Africa, it's very similar to America. So we 5% are born again in South Africa. 60 to 80% would proclaim cultural Christianity. There's a massive amount of work to be done, a massive amount of people to be reached. So if we're living it, people will be attracted by it. They'll be attracted to Jesus through us, through the body of Christ. We're his expression of life. We're his expression of truth. Let's be those that today, this morning, it's like a politician, let us, we need to, let's do it.
Let's make decisions. If you don't make decisions, and it's not tomorrow, make it today. Say, Lord, I want to change. I want to be different. Ask people to, to help you in this. That's why we're a body. You may think, I'm doing great, I'm wonderful, but, but what if you're not? What if you are not really doing in position where God wants you to be? Everyone else should be in position as the body of Christ. If you're not in position, position, the, the, this church, this congregation will not be effective in this area. We'll be defective. We'll have one wing down. And we won't fulfill the purposes and plans of Christ and this, for what he's called us now. Individual lives and corporately, because God looks at us as a people of God. If you're not in position this morning, if you're life, it spoke about the body of Christ, we belong to each other. If you don't see yourself in that light, because God always dealt with Israel as a whole. God looks upon us as a whole, as a body. Doesn't he? Yes, he does see us as individuals, we know that, but most importantly, he sees us as his body. He doesn't see us as a finger over there. And he sees us as his body. If you're not in position, if you're not uh, been part of what God is doing, make a decision this morning. Say, Lord, I want to change. I want to change. I want to get into what you're doing. I want to put my hand up and say, Lord, use me. And this today is like a beginning. It's like a beginner's course in a sense of just hospitality. It's like entry level. But let's be those who offer up our lives. Say, Lord, here am I. Your leaders need to hear that. They need to he hear that you're with them. Where do you need me? Where do you want to use me? Come and speak to them. They, don't, they, don't, they can't read your hearts. They can't read your minds. Come and say to them, hey, I want to, I want to help you guys build what God is building here. I want to be part of what God... This place should be... You know, we're not into numbers for numbers' sake. Josh Jen has grown. We saw we were there at the very first meeting in January 99. There were 15 people. There's now 6,000 or so people in Josh Jen. And they do mention numbers in the New Testament because huh? that means that people's lives have been changed and they're glorifying God with their lives. We are into salvations. We are into seeing people getting water baptized and becoming obedient disciples of Jesus. Let's close our eyes. I've thrown out a lot of challenges right now. You can receive them or you can block them. The choice is yours. And I trust that you receive them for your sake. We're carrying on. We're just going forward what God called us to do. We'll go forward with whoever will come with us as we serve our King. Don't waste your life. I've raised three children. I'm a grandfather now. I've done life as well. I know it can be hard, but don't let the enemy use that to take you out of what God wants to do. We are sensitive as leaders to your position in life and where you're going through. Say so you had babies. We are aware of these things. I'm not going to burden you with things that are beyond, but walk with us, journey with us as we follow Jesus and build his kingdom. We're not yet to build Josh Jen. We're not yet to build 412. Those are just little names to express the group, that, the, the field that we are part of. We're here to build the kingdom of God and to express it in our lives. Father, come and touch every single life right now. Feel this anointing right now. There's something... God is touching in people's hearts. I think God's breaking chains over minds. Some of you have been hurt by leaders. Some of you have been hurt by this and that. And, and we've all been there. But you've got to come through it now. You can't stay there. You can't stay licking your wounds. You can't stay in a place of offense. You can't carry anger and bitterness. And Let God take it this morning. Put down the suitcases. Put down the heaviness that you've been carrying. His burden is light. His yoke is easy.